0: Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 156 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're talking with Guy Sakalakis and Kelly Street about how to improve your marketing in 2018. Today's podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks, Ruby Receptionists, and LawPay. We appreciate their support, and we'll tell you more about them later in the show. So, our guest today is my wife, and I feel like have some sort of conflict of interest about doing an intro to such an episode. Uh, you do and you don't. <laughs> but this episode is all about her. So, Are there conflicts of interest between podcast hosts and podcast guests? I don't know. Probably. Yeah, okay. probably. Probably. <laughs>
1: But she got on the podcast on her
0: own merits. So See, that's the part that's easy to say. But nobody needs to believe me on that one, I guess. Oh, okay. So. Can I assure people I had nothing to do with it? Did I have nothing to do with you it? You had nothing to
1: do cool. with it. So I'll, I'll talk about what we're going to talk about this time. Guy <laughs> and Kelly are going to talk about two concrete things that you can do this year to improve your marketing. But the question that everyone is going to have in the back of their minds is, does it work? Which is what lawyers love to ask about everything. Does it work? And so I think it's time to reiterate one of our soapbox mantras, which is, I don't know, the answer is in the data. So Aaron, how do you think about data when it comes to the question of how does it work or does it work?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's this common theme among lots of business people and even weirdly among lots of marketers of asking, does a particular marketing technique work or not? And the decision on whether or not something is working often in these cases is about kind of either gut feel or perception or whether it got clients, but isn't about tracking conversion rates and data and ROI. And I think building a system for data-driven marketing is probably the lowest hanging fruit for almost all small firm lawyers to improve their marketing. And what that means is a couple of different things. One is tracking all of your activities, tracking how people are getting either to your website or calling you on the phone and where they came from. And there are different techniques for that. Call tracked numbers, asking people how they heard about you, et cetera, and then tracking the conversion rate of those people contacting you on your website, on the phone, to becoming clients. And then if you build that as a tracking system, either in a formal marketing tool or just in a spreadsheet, you can then backtrack to test which things are working and which things aren't.
1: Yeah, what's frustrating for me, every time I see a lawyer ask that question, it's, does it work? And what they're asking is, did it work for anyone else? But what they're missing is, will it work for me? And the only way to answer that is to try it and test it and figure out what the results are and then do it and to try it for real. Like the other piece of it that frustrates me is when somebody uh, posts, will this work for me or does it work? The answer is usually, oh, I tried it for a few days and it didn't work. Or I tried it for a week and I got nothing out of it. Or I spent 500 bucks and I didn't get anything. And the thing is, none of that means anything. It's just out of context for that lawyer. It's did you, did you learn how to do it properly and implement it well and track it and the data still meant it didn't work? And then how relevant are your results to the results that I might expect for my firm because are we anything alike at all? And so um, as Gary V likes to shout from the stage, everything
0: fucking works. Yep. It just may not work for you. It just might not work for you or it might not work given the techniques you use to use it, right? So right now I'm a really big proponent of testing Facebook ads, which is not boosting Facebook posts or trying to get likes to your page. It's just buying ads on Facebook. And I think savvy users of Facebook ads can get leads and law firm clients at really, really underpriced rates right now. But you have to use it right. And I don't have the answer for you on how to use it right. You both need to spend some time to learn how other people in your practice area or jurisdiction are using it, and then you need to test things using data.
1: Well, I think that's a really good jumping-off point for, first, a brief sponsored interview with Bin Ree of Smokeball about
2: KPIs and using data in your practice, uh, and then we'll talk with Guy and Kelly. Hi, I'm Bin Ree. I'm the product marketing manager and general counsel at Smokeball. And Smokeball is a complete legal practice management solution for small law firms, and firms that use Smokeball are empowered to get back to their passion and focus their energies on helping people and their clients. And not to get bogged down on the administrative and non-billable tasks that many firms experience.
1: Thanks for meeting with us today, Ben. So you've got a white paper coming out about small firm KPIs. And although more and more people are starting to understand what KPIs are and why they can be important, I think we should probably start by explaining that. Uh, what are they, and why do they matter?
2: Sure. You know, KPIs. Um, it is trendy. It's a it's a buzzword these days with small law firms. And KPI stands for key performance indicators. And really, KPIs. Is is a, basically a measurable value um, that shows you how effectively your law firm is achieving its goals. Another synonym for KPIs might be metrics or even business intelligence.
1: Measurables, things like that, yeah.
2: <laughs> so really, no matter what you call it, it's really measuring how your firm's health is or how your firm is performing. So give
1: us an example of uh, a key performance indicator that law firms should be tracking and like what it means, what they can do with it, um, what it tells them, and how they can take action on
2: it. Of course, sure. One of the basic things that every firm should be tracking is how many new clients they have each month, quarter, or even over a year. I mean, without new clients, uh, there's no firm or no business really. Mm-hmm. So the reason you want to track new clients and you want to track not only how many you're getting, but where they're coming from and what types of uh, cases they're bringing in. So if you're a small law firm that practices uh, pretty much anything that walks in the door, such as a general practice, you want to see if you're getting more divorce cases at certain times of the month, Uh, maybe it's real estate transactions, and then you also want to be able to track that information along with your profitability. And see, is it more profitable to do divorce cases over real estate buyers and sellers?
1: I think that's an interesting example because somebody who ostensibly is a general practice that takes whatever comes in the door may end up finding that they're not as general as they think and that it might pay off for them to just focus on a couple areas of practice. But you won't know that until you actually sit down and start looking at the information.
2: Yes, that's an incredible uh, thing that a lot of our clients have uh, realized. You know, they they thought they're a real estate firm, but then they saw that they're really getting a lot of business incorporations or LLC type of clients, um, or they're even doing estate planning. And something that they never planned to do, but that happens to be their, their cash cow.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, it seems crazy that you wouldn't just notice that, but it does happen all the time. So, Pin, how do you keep track of KPIs? I mean, it feels like a lot of, potentially, a lot of work to gather this data and report on it regularly and all that kind of stuff. Is there an easy way to do it that you can do just on paper or with spreadsheets? Is there a best practice? How should people do it?
2: Sure, that is, that is one of the biggest obstacles for doing KPIs is collecting the data. And it is very difficult because it, it can be manual. So, when one of the first things that we, you know, focus on and and to tell attorneys to do is track their time and activities. Regardless of whether they bill hourly, fixed, uh, or flat fee, or even on contingency, they have to know how they're spending every minute of their day. And we do, you know, the best practice is contemporaneous timekeeping, where you keep track of the time, uh, what it's for, um, as you're doing the tasks. But, you know, reality is we, a lot of people reconstruct their time at the end of the week or month. But the best practice is to keep track of it either using a spreadsheet or paper or using certain you know systems like Smokeball. Well, and so what makes Smokeball easier about that? Well, if you work through Smokeball, because it is a practice management system, we're able to actually track everything that you do with absolutely no user interaction. So if you start a email from Smokeball, we can track how long you've been in the email and that you're editing it. And let's say you walk away from the email for more than 30 seconds, we actually stop a timer. And then when you get back to it, we'll record that time again and then have it automatically put into your case. And that's all done without even doing any work on your end.
1: Gotcha. So uh, if listeners would like to learn more about KPIs, what they are, how to implement them, and especially how they work with Smokeball, you can go to smokeball.com slash KPI. You can also call 855-668-3206 for more information about Smokeball. Ben, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you.
3: Hi, I'm Kelly Street, Marketing Director at AttorneySync. And I've been in the marketing industry for around nine years, but I'm really excited to have joined the exclusive legal marketing world over the last few months.
4: And I'm Guy Sakalakis, and first and foremost, a huge fan of Lawyerist, uh, also the founder of AttorneySync and a former lawyer, and I help lawyers put their best foot forward online. Hi, Guy and Kelly. Thanks for being on
1: the podcast today. And full disclosure, uh, I should say that one of the other owners of Lawyerist has the good fortune to have married Kelly, who is a marketing and sales genius that we're having on the podcast. So, you know, for what that's worth now, all of our listeners know. So, Guy and Kelly, we're going to try and give our listeners two concrete marketing activities that they can do. And if they complete them in 2018, they will move their practice forward. What's number one?
3: First and foremost, you need to claim your Google My Business account. So that means signing up for Google My Business, completing your listing, and then of course, managing it. You're going to want to do this because it allows you to show up for searches and to be in the local search pack.
1: So Google, my business, it's like, it is so awkward to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Claiming my Google, my business profile. Uh, Where, where do I even go to do that? What is that?
4: You can just go to google.com forward slash business. Um, you know, Google's changed the name of this kind of brick and mortar local offering. Like seven by, times, right? I mentioned,
1: yeah, <laughs> like I,
4: I, in fact, I was just looking at some old posts that we talked about this in the past and, you know, it's gone through so many iterations. But, you know, Google, Google knows that their users want to find local businesses and local business information uh, and they want to serve that up. And so that's why it's so important is that, you know, if you search on your name, if you search on your firm's name, no matter how people hear about you when they go to look you up online, it's likely that Google's going to give prominence to this Google My Business listing. And so really, really important that you completely fill it out. Make sure you get all of your categories correct. I typically recommend people pick their primary category. You know, this is one of the areas where the Google world doesn't match the real world uh, you know, attorneys that practice multiple practice areas will try to fill out all the categories, but that tends to have a dilutive effect. So pick one category, make sure you're out. all the detailed information's got to be right. Um, you want that to be consistent. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's kind of a no brainer. If you haven't done it at this point, it's free, uh, simple to set up, but really spend some time thoroughly filling out Add images. Don't just fill it out halfway, get it verified, get it right. So I listened to the first episode of
1: your podcast and Hey, I skipped right over this, but back up. Congratulations on launching your own podcast. Oh, yes, we're
3: so excited.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I've listened to the first episode, which will be out by the time this podcast airs, but I got a sneak peek. Um, the podcast is called Clienting. And I understand from listening, Gee, that you just sort of walk around town, Googling lawyers, practice areas and things and try to see what pops up. And you've experienced that on opposite sides of the street, you will get different search results
4: Primarily because of Google My Business listings, right? Yeah, I mean that's it's definitely the the Google My Business listings are where showing up. The reasons why I'm getting different ones is, you know, because Google really is getting good at knowing where we are, what we're doing online through a, a variety of ways. But that's a conversation for another day. But again, I mean, your next clients will expect to be able to find information about you online, and Google My Business. If they if for those clients and prospective clients that go to Google. Google My Business is where it's at. That's what's going to show up. Uh, you're going to see testimonials there. You're going to see driving directions. You're going to see imagery. Eventually, I think your Google's going to add video. And the other thing I always like to say too is, is when you're thinking about prioritizing stuff, especially when it comes to online marketing, go to where the platforms are investing. And Google My Business is a place that Google has rolled out a whole bunch of new updates recently. So it's likely that, you know, when they're committed to something. They're going to give it prominence. And right now, this is the place to be for small businesses online, including law firms.
1: So, guys, one of the things that that always comes up for me when I think about this is like proximity is not necessarily relevant when people are searching for lawyers. Right. Like I don't actually care if uh, if I'm hiring an IP lawyer. Actually, I don't even care if I'm hiring an IP lawyer in my state. But Google My Business is set up on the assumption that it does matter. And it like, is that why we should claim it is even if you don't think proximity matters, Google does. And so if you want to show up in listings, you should be taking advantage of that. Is that the strategy?
3: Well, I think actually, Sam, you might be in the minority there for not caring about where your lawyer is located, mm-hmm. uh, because most people do. Most people, when they are searching for a service or, you know, service as a lawyer, they will go with the lawyer that's closest to them. They'll look at reviews, they'll look at all their information. But first and foremost, people want a lawyer who is close to them, easy for them to get to, and they don't have to worry about driving across town or into a different area that's unfamiliar for them.
1: So you've said that Uh, that listing has room for photographs and all that kind of stuff. I assume that, A, Google probably does care if you have a more robust listing than if you don't. Um, But B, clients obviously care. If they can see pictures of the firm or your lawyers or both, they might be. So is this a great time to finally hire a professional to take some pictures of
4: your firm and your team? Yeah, that time is long past. Yes, you should (laughs) definitely have pictures. And you know what, again, they don't, I mean... Uh, professional, sure. But uh, I even tend to think, you know, a production quality, good production quality of the photos, absolutely good lighting, sure. But I think some of the candid photos, some of just kind of the around the office photos, um, you know, some of the more effective ones, if, you, if you've got clients who are willing to do it that uh, you know show you interacting with clients, showing some emotion even because some of these practice areas can be clients are dealing with some cre- you know some really emotional life issues when dealing with a lawyer. And so letting some of that show through in the imagery and the pictures and the videos that you use, I think is extremely powerful and that and Google my business is definitely a place to be doing that. Yeah, so uh, I think the other thing too is that I, I like to say to lawyers is don't get so mired down with like having to find a professional photographer, the phones are amazing. The cameras on the phones are amazing. Go, go read a blog post about setting up lighting. Take a picture. And yet, people take such shitty pictures I know. It's, <laughs> with I, them. I know it. It's crazy. <laughs> but, um, but, but I don't want people to feel like they've got like paralysis that they've got to like do all this scheduling right. and yada yada machinery for photos. Go take a picture. I mean, you go look, and so there's kind of like best, good, horrible, best. Take some professional pictures, some candidates around the office. Good. You know, a step back, use your iPhone. But, you know, people are so inclined to put, like, their logos everywhere. People want to look at – they want to see the lawyers. They're hiring the lawyer. Mm -hmm. They're interacting with the lawyer. The lawyer is going to be the shoulder they're going to be crying on when they're dealing with these uh, serious issues. No one cares about the logo,
1: Kelly. I've seen you take some beautiful pictures. Uh, do you have tips for getting good results out of an iPhone or or an Android, whatever, out of a smartphone camera?
3: Yeah, a few. So um, I do have an iPhone, and I really prefer it for the photos. Although I've heard the Google phone is amazing for photos, but take your time, set up a shot. Make sure the background is great. Make sure that you have enough light is really important. So turning on lights, turning on extra lamps, and then also being aware of what you're wearing and what you have around your your office as well. If somebody's taking a photo of you at your desk and you have papers out on your desk, uh, just, make sure that if somebody were to zoom in, they wouldn't see any inappropriate information on the desk or on your computer. There have been some interesting situations where people have uh, either shared a screenshot or had their computer open and people zoomed into their browser to see what was up on their browser. And they they saw some things that they maybe wouldn't want to share publicly.
1: You know, one thing I've noticed is um, people usually take photos from too far away and uh, getting in tighter can be a really good thing. And I'm thinking of, we, you know, we run this How Lawyers Work series and we ask lawyers to take pictures of their offices. And uh, Lindsay's amazing at giving them tips and things. Um, also, empty offices look really sad. <laughs>
3: <Yes>. <laughs> like
1: Man. if you can put pictures in them and then use the magic wand tool on your cameras, uh, you know, editor, like don't go crazy with like Instagram filters, but like Try that magic wand tool to just brighten up the picture and balance the colors and the exposure a little bit because it usually
4: makes your photo better and more lively and it will look better on your yeah. profile. And if you have an iPhone X, use portrait mode and you can automatically blur out the background.
1: Yeah, no that's true, it's great. And and it zooms in a bit so right. you're less likely to have that problem with having like a far away photo with no real focal point and empty of people. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> iPhone affiliate link. There you go. Um, so we need to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes to talk about
0: thing number two, uh, how to create a system for collecting client feedback. We'll be right back. Being a self-employed lawyer is hard enough, which is why dealing with your day-to-day paperwork on top of it all shouldn't have to be. FreshBooks makes ridiculously easy-to-use cloud-based time and billing software that will help you work smarter, get paid faster, and become more organized. With FreshBooks invoicing, you can create and send polished professional invoices effortlessly in mere seconds. FreshBooks can set you up to receive payments online, which can seriously improve how quickly you get paid. You can track your time either by using their mobile app or your desktop, meaning you'll always know what work you did, when you did it, and who you did it for. There's also a super handy deposit feature so you can invoice for a payment up front when you're kicking off a project. To feel the full impact of how FreshBooks can change the way you deal with your paperwork, FreshBooks is offering our listeners a 30-day free trial. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com lawyerist and enter lawyerist in the how did you hear about us section. Ruby Receptionist
1: is a live, remote receptionist service that is dedicated to helping lawyers win clients and build trust one happy caller at a time. From their offices in Portland, Oregon, Ruby's friendly, professional receptionists ensure exceptional client experiences by answering calls live in English or Spanish, transferring calls, taking messages, collecting new client intake, addressing common questions, making outbound calls for you, and more, just like an in-house receptionist at a fraction of the cost. More importantly, they sound like they're sitting in your office. For a special offer, visit callruby.com lawyerist2018 or call
0: 844-715-7829. That's 844-715-RUBY. Did you know that attorneys who accept online payments get paid 39% faster on average than those using traditional payment methods? With LawPay, the only payment solution offered through the ABA Advantage program, you can accept client payments online, via email, or in person. No equipment needed. Visit lawpay.com lawyerist to sign up and get your first three months free. Trust the only payment solution developed for attorneys and recommended by 47 state bars. LawPay. Okay, so we're back.
1: So uh, I I guess I spoiled it right before the break. But what's number two on our list?
3: Uh, Number two is creating a system for collecting and using your client feedback in your marketing. And this can be really tricky. I know that sometimes lawyers are a little afraid of asking for the review, asking for that public feedback, because they know that sometimes clients are afraid to say that they use a particular lawyer or a service because of the nature, but this is something you can overcome by using a wider variety of review platforms and also just making sure that you're only asking clients who did truly have a really good experience with you and not asking too many times and kind of annoying people and getting them to maybe not leave such a a favorable review by you bugging them.
1: So uh, this is related to item. I mean, item number one is very discreet. Go claim your profile, fill it out completely. Use good photos. You're good. This one is less about a specific tool and more about building a system. Although like the reality is we're going to be probably putting together a template in email. Right?
3: Yes, I definitely recommend that you would want to have a template in your email that would be an easy system to ask for a review. Having a clickable image link uh, that goes to your page on Yelp or your Google account to easily navigate people to where you want to get a review.
1: So basically, the task that you need to do is sit down and come up with an email that asks for reviews and has links to the places where people will go to make those reviews. And it's basically a copying and pasting operation after that. The part that you said that is really key and and maybe a little bit harder is actually making sure you're asking the people who are more likely to give you a good review. How do you figure that out? And how do you segment those people out?
3: So you can tell that someone's had a good or a favorable experience with you if you achieved the outcome they were looking for, if they have thanked you and um, told you that they appreciate the work you did for them. Generally, if your interactions with them were positive and if at the end of the day, everything took the appropriate amount of time. And like I said, the outcome was achieved that everyone was happy with.
4: And I think for me, the kind of way I look at it is this. is So one, a short answer is there are tools also that can help you with this, right? So there's there are things like Ask Nicely and Get Five Stars and Yext Reviews and Grade Us. You can use SurveyMonkey. But you basically, you're polling your clients, right? You're, you're submitting a client feedback survey periodically to, to ask, right? And, and that's why to me, it's the starting point for all of this is thinking about how you can make your practice more client centric. And, you know, Sam, you and I talked about this on a previous podcast, and I encourage people to go back and listen to that briefly. You've got to have the mindset of, I want to actually ask clients how they want to be communicated with ask them how they think you're doing, ask them for feedback, ask them for regular feedback. There's timing issues, whether you do that, you know, on a more regular basis, depending on your practice, depending on the nature of the representation, or if you do it at the end. Of, but uh, the answer to that is you you've gotta ask. So if you don't know, you gotta ask. There are tools that can help you identify that in advance. So some of these tools will do things like, at the close of a file, it'll fire off, you know, on a scale of one to 10, how likely are you to recommend us to a friend or a family member? eights, nines and tens get directed to some kind of review profile, one, two and threes might send an email back to you saying, hey, this is an unhappy client, I need to reach out to them and understand more about why they're unhappy. But it's really about listening and putting the client first and finding ways that you can uh, solicit their feedback. Because these are some of the best ways, not only just to get positive testimonials, but also to identify where you can improve your service. Yeah. So there's two things going on here. And uh,
1: Kelly points out, like for those lawyers who do have a good relationship with their clients and actually actually have a relationship, um, I think that that's great. Like, you know, the the ones to talk to. Um, to ask for reviews, but also um, you can sense when somebody's unhappy and, and be proactive about getting feedback and trying to find out why they're unhappy and if there's anything you can do about that. Gee points out that there's a lot of tools that you can use uh, if if you have volume and so you don't have a relationship with every client, or uh, as I suggested, I think a lot of lawyers are wrong when they think about uh, having the relationships they have with their clients. I think most lawyers don't have the kinds of relationships that they think they do have. It can help to do some objective and sort of less personal surveying to find out what they actually think, which gives you the option to a ask for feedback from the people who have good things to say. And B, they don't have good things to say, you want to know why. And it lets you follow up. I I think of this when you know, when your apps on your phone ask you for reviews, they, they ask you to review in the app what star rating you would give it. And if you give it a four or a five, they say, great, will you go leave a review in the app store? And if you give a uh, one, two or three, they send you to a contact form that asks you to tell them why you aren't happy. Um, or maybe it just says, do you like it or not? And if you say yes, then it asks you to leave a review. If it said no, then it asks you to um, to tell them why. Um, it's that, that's exactly what's going on there. They're trying to, A, they're trying to get good reviews out in public, but B, they're trying to give feedback so they can improve in private. And then
3: I think what also matters is what you do after you get the reviews, whether they are positive or negative, reaching out or, um, or sending a message and saying, Hey, thank you so much for your positive review. Or I'm so sorry you had a negative experience with, with me. What can I do to help? Or, I'm taking your feedback and I'm learning from it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, good point. Like the only reason to ask for reviews is if you're going to do something with them. Like fluffing your public profiles is great and all, but the whole point is
4: to take that feedback that you get seriously and then improve your practice from it. Exactly, And, and in the context of marketing, to highlight the great service that you're giving. So a lot of times, you know, where it's obvious that the outcome of the representation, everybody agrees was great, um, that doesn't always happen. And so mm-hmm. a lot of times it's, you know, the thing that, you know, I think we've talked about this before as well, but the thing that they, that people know is they know what good service feels like. They know what it feels like to be treated with respect. They know what it feels like to be treated with dignity and highlighting that stuff, whether you're doing it through them, leaving a review or they volunteer to do a video testimonial or hosting reviews on your own site uh, those are the things that help you distinguish yourself from the crowd because now you're saying, hey, look, this is actual positive client feedback that I'm putting to work to demonstrate my what do you wanna call it unique selling proposition or what what helps you stand out from all of the other legal marketing that just reads like, we're super aggressive, we fight really hard, we have 500 years of experience, and we went to the best law school.
3: Yes, reviews are so much more, or what you say about yourself as a lawyer is so much more effective if it comes from other people, rather than just what you say about yourself.
1: So the to-do list here for lawyers basically has three elements. One, ask people if they're happy or not. (laughs) <laughs> in in a way that is a little bit more nuanced than that. But ask people if they're satisfied with the work that they've got from you or not. And you can do that with something as, uh, as good as net promoter score um, and sophisticated as that, or you can do that just with the blunt force asking. Um, and it can be you, it can be an email, whatever. But you need to ask that first of all. And then so that's piece number one. And the second piece is for people who are satisfied, you want them to put their feedback in a public place um, to help your marketing. And for people who aren't satisfied, you wanna follow up and find out why not and what you could have done to improve. At least, how I like to ask it is, how could we have improved? So, you're asking for a suggestion, um, and you may get people that are just complaining, and and those complaints might be helpful, and you can turn them around and make them constructive. Um, But you wanna try and get constructive feedback. And you can do this with phone calls, you can do it with emails. There are lots of software systems that you can sign up for that will do it automatically for you. you need to do this. So that's piece number two. So we got number one, Google My Business. Number two, create a system for collecting client feedback and either plugging it into your marketing or plugging it back into the way you build your client service model. Now, we've talked about your podcast clienting and where can people go to find out more about that and and subscribe to it?
3: You can either go to attorneysync.com. We do have the podcast on our website. You can also find it on iTunes, just like every other professional podcast. Cool.
1: Um, hey, if, if claiming your Google My Business profile, you've already done that. If you've already got a client feedback system, and you feel like you're ahead of this game, then listen to episode one, because you guys talk about the trends that will be shaping marketing in 2018. And so you talk about um, responsive websites, you talk about a bunch of other stuff, uh, search trends, marketing trends, inbound client service. And so if you want the next level stuff. I think it's a good idea to go and listen to that podcast. Uh, and in addition, uh, check the show notes for this. And we're going to have a, a white paper, 10 things you can do to improve your Google My Business profile um, from Guy and Kelly. Uh, and lawyers Insiders can get that for free. You'll find the link in the show notes. So Guy and Kelly, thanks so much for being with us today.
3: Thanks so much for having us.
4: Thanks, Sam. Really happy to be here. And if anybody has questions or feedback, don't hesitate to contact us. We're always happy to help. At attorney sync.com. Thanks, guys.